Game Design Podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me as always is Ben Slinger. Hello, Governor. <laughs> I, I, ver- I very nearly said, with me as always is Craig, the Discord recording bot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, with us, uh, as always, from this point on, so we don't fucking lose shit again. Yes. Uh, welcome to Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger, as Trevor said. This is a podcast. He's already said all this stuff. What am I saying? Let's do some click pitch. Okay. Click pitch is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. And on the count of three, two, one, click, we'll each get a word, read it out loud, jam them together, make a game. Mm-hmm. Although, having just said that, and we didn't discuss this previously, and we may not do this, but it is the adventure game jam this fortnight. Mm-hmm. So, in the spirit of that, we could attempt an AGDDQ. I've got a better idea. Every single okay. game game design that we do is an adventure game. <laughs> is a point and click adventure. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. Let's let's do that rather than rather than a a single game for the whole uh, episode. We will just make a series of point and click adventures. So, hey, for those out there who are halfway through your adventure game jam, if you feel like pivoting mid-jam mid, mid into one of these ideas, feel free. They might suck. They might be awesome. Who knows? Who knows? Three, two, one. Click. Click. Membership. Divine. <laughs> oh, divine membership. Okay. So, this, I like the idea then of this being, obviously, as we said, a point-and-click adventure mm-hmm. game. Where you are someone trying to join the ranks of angels living in heaven. Okay. But you're a demon. As in, you're a fallen angel. Okay. And you're now trying to um, get in uh, the good graces, uh, which is like a special a special membership called the good graces. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what it's that's what it's called. That's what this particular group of angels is called. The good graces. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I did I like the idea of there being some stuff on Earth though. So are you maybe a la good omens, which I've just recently watched. Great are show. You perhaps, great show. Yep. <laughs> so good. Um are you perhaps a, a demon who is stationed on Earth? Um being given tasks. I mean, and this could obviously be very good omens inspired where you have kind of your angel counterpart or counterparts who you've known for centuries, if not millennia, and, you know, they, they're either trying to stop you or help you. Like, it doesn't have to be the same thing where they've necessarily made friends, yep. but, you know, there are these there are these agents of, of heaven and hell on earth either sowing discord or, you know, performing miracles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you play a demon, you play one of these demons trying and deciding that you want to you bat for the other team. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds quite interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, so my thought is that maybe this is sort of based in the near future, so you can okay. have a little bit of extra technology sort of stuff, kind of like. Um, yeah, we can be a bit we can be a bit loose with with the available technology. Yeah, I, I'm sort of thinking kind of like it's. It's that typical Michael Shaw thing of it's six months in the future and everything <laughs> everything is like yeah. streamed ahead by light years sort of thing. Yeah. Or even just a bit of Black Mirror where often there's just, you know, slight advances in like phone technology and yeah. different things where you've, yeah, you kind of got a, a, a bit more, um, a, a bit of futurism there. So, I'm starting to think that maybe this story is- you get you get wind that this is the fifteenth time that um, Jesus has been sent down to Earth. <laughs> okay, and which which time was the big time? Was that the first time? The first time was, was like- the was the only one that actually that actually went went to plan. Every other time, yep. the person's being thought as being insane. It's a heretic, or yeah, yep. yep. And and basically, I'm thinking it's basically the last fifteen. 15 generations or whatever. Into every generation, a Jesus is born. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, okay. So, 
wait, does that mean the Jesus's the rate of Jesus, the Jesus's per millennia is um, speeding up? Well, I, I think it's just that you know the the God being that is around, you know, is trying to come back down to Earth, um, yep. you know, being reincarnated as his son and all this sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. what's actually happening is that every time that he he or she tries to come back, some weird shit happens and the the plan gets completely foiled and the person and the um and Jesus ends up in in like a mental asylum or ends or up being getting or killed early homeless or, for you know for thirty years and then dies of starvation and hypothermia. Yeah. Uh yeah okay I like that Actually, I like that and so this time. And so you're saying that as the demon, you've caught wind of the latest incarnation, yep, and where it's going to occur or where it has occurred, yes. And there's some sort of prophecy about a demon who will bring the second in in like um, air quotes second coming of, of Jesus, um, <laughs> yep. and and will be given um, absolution. Okay. So by helping this Jesus child yeah. reach their like destiny or yeah. reach their destiny yeah. and what what I'm actually sort of thinking is you've almost got like the angels who don't want Jesus to to come to fruition. So it's almost like mm-hmm. the, the reverse sort of thing. It's Yep. Yep. It's almost as if they because um they've been they don't want the boat to be rocked, basically. Like, well, because it's all, kinda- it was talked about that you know Jesus would return as as the lion this time instead of the lamb, um, so would would enact vengeance, and that's why you as a demon right. you're, you're thinking that this is a, actually a good thing to to reap to um you know sort of shake things up on Earth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you still actually have malicious intentions then. I think that's the way it sort of starts out that, you know, your, your whole idea is, and you can, you can sort of do, do a quick, um, a quick view of the angels sort of putting a stop to all, to all these comings of Jesus, or you see angels interfering in all these different, different lives of these slightly similar looking people. Who um <laughs> over the years, and you just do like a vignette of of each one, sort of in the intro. Yeah, and I, I'm picturing that you you see like a Brady Bunch style screen of of like nine incidents all happen at the same time, of <laughs> just all these different things that happen to yeah, just sort of showing that to Jesus resurrected into you know different nationalities, different genders, different classes. Yep different situations every time and still somehow something happens and so is that so is it that you notice somehow or you realize you have a realization that like i wonder if god is thinking that each time this happens it's the demons that are thwarting him but it turns out yeah it turns out that it's the angels yeah and this time a demon has to help him well what i think is the end of the first act is like the realization maybe you you as a person have don't actually know that your character is actually a demon. Right. Okay. You just know you've sort of got some powers. Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of not quite a good about, omens yeah. thing of holy water, you know, melts you sort of thing. But I think holy water does, you know, uh, reveal your true your true personality. Mm, yeah. Okay. And so at the end of the first act. Yeah. That's where that happens. Something occurs where you get sprayed or- Splash with holy water, and I suppose because I've been watching a lot of Lucifer and a lot of um, and and good <laughs> omens and all this sort of stuff. Like my head is is definitely There's some in, influence in the, there, um, but that's okay. In the Neil Gaiman verse of <laughs> yeah, we can we can mash that up. That's fine. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. So, how old is this Jesus when you find him? Is it a him this time? I think it's a her this time. Jesusica. <laughs> if this episode isn't called Jesusica, then, then there's something wrong. Because <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. So, how old is she? 
are we thinking, you know, are we thinking she's been on Earth for a while now and it's kind of coming into her, you know, her, her mess- messianic uh, self or is this like early days or do we do again a Good Omens-esque kind of thing where, you know, you find her as, as a young child and and are around for her childhood to sort of protect and guide. Yeah, I, I think I think it might actually be one of those things. If you if I remember the story of of when Jesus actually found out he was the son of God, it was around twelve. So I'm picturing mm-hmm. that the, the first part of the game is around the twelve years old. Yeah. And then it sort of kicks so you, forward you to like witness the that so it's that eighteen year gap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get to maybe there's a little uh, montage or a few vignettes to fill in that gap. Yeah. So, what would a modern female Jesus look be like? Do you think um, Middle Eastern to start off with? Yeah. Um, I, I I think I think that's a, that's a um, that's a common thread throughout this whole thing. Like always Middle Eastern, but can be anywhere in the world, sort of thing, because there's been a lot of yeah, migration. Um, of course, yeah. There's a bloodline, so there's some sort of bloodline yeah. going back, but it's yeah, it's heavily diluted by this point. <laughs> okay, and I'm just thinking, like, is she is she like a, a hippie because of the like the robes <laughs> and the bare feet, or was that just because it was the style at the it time? Was the style like, at the time. On, so she would take on some other sort of. I- I'm just wondering whether you, whether you go in a in a Futurama sort of way of thinking of, you know, in the early episodes where they go to all these different bars and people be wearing, like, the big hoops and all that sort of stuff and, and they go, oh, it's so <laughs> retro. <laughs> just picturing, like... The- so, you just come up with some fashion that's just completely out there, but then everyone's, like, always telling her that she's behind the times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. But, and it can be it could be maybe reminiscent of the classic Jesus look. But but have some modern stylings or something. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, it's not floor length robes, but maybe it's sort of a a dress that that resembles I don't know, you know, large uh, sleeves and <laughs> puffy sleeves, puffy sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the um like the sh- the strapless sort of sort of style, but with the big puffy sleeves. You know, it's yeah, it's totally. connected just sure. under the arm. <laughs> Oh God, it's freaking hilarious! And so, does she come into her powers at twelve, or is that not until she's older? Because there's obvious, there's some pretty obvious jokes you can obviously do with like water to wine and loaves and fishes and different things, and bringing that into the modern day. You know, is she like a, a, a professional woman, sort of working woman, or? Yeah, I'm thinking one of the vignettes, you know, she goes to, like, a club, orders a water, and then, you know, she turns a, in, a, in a wine glass, and then she turns away, yeah. it turns into wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she just gets cheap drinks everywhere because she just orders water. Can you can you fill this this champagne glass up with water, uh, with sparkling <laughs> water? She turns around and turns into sparkling wine. <laughs> <laughs> She can do. She can. She actually has has become quite skilled at it. She can do white wine now too. If she's really concentrated, she can do a rosé. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, I I think you know, red wine was just the only one known at the time. It turns out that like, if they knew about spirits, <laughs> oh, she can just do anything. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's not water. Like to do spirits, you need something other than water. It's like if you can if you can get a glass full of Sprite, you can turn it into whiskey. It's like it's just a weird thing. <laughs> get it right. Sprite is rum. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, okay. And surprisingly, crystal crystal. Or it has cr- to be it has to be an appropriate mixer. Crystal Pepsi is gym. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 means she always has to pay for a gin now because she can't find Crystal Pepsi anywhere. <laughs> or, di- or did they deal with like resurgence of it in uh, twenty twenty seven? Oh, something like that. So okay, your your character is I don't know one of the one of the lesser demons. Don't even have to have a name, sort of thing. I, I like the idea that you know you're you're sort of. Trying to help out, but also be sort of hidden from Jesusica. 
I, I like the idea of kind of like the um kind of like the the help that's they were giving in good omens that they were disguised. Disguised, yeah. Each time that you go into a, into a new sort of setup, you you're disguised, and therefore you've got to sort of make make your moves in in the background. Yeah, and and like make contact, but in a in an innocuous way, but then still somehow give them some advice or like push. You know, you help her make a serious decision. Maybe that's what each of these vignettes is. Is kind of a crossroads in her life, and you're you're drawn to her in those moments to help to help her through them. Mm-hmm. I'm just imagining that as as the game goes on and you get into the second act and all this sort of stuff, where where you're realizing the plot the plot against Jessica that there's angels almost in every every sort of scene that you end up at, and you've got to you yeah. know come up with some way of foiling their plans without revealing the whole the whole thing too. Yeah, well well I think once she gets to thirty, uh that's kind of you go back into I guess like real time as it were. And that's really where both her her kind of her role as the Messiah is really starting to take shape. But as a result of that and just because of the divine timing of it all, the angels are also kind of ramping up their their plot. And so maybe it's at that point that you actually make real contact with Jessica, uh, and and like reveal yourself as his demon, and you have a bit of a scene around that. But you know, you manage to convince her that you want to help, and and so yeah, like the sort of latter half of Act Two and, and into Act Three with a with you know the finale heading towards the finale is you sort of trying to help her come into a prime. Help her come into her prime and thus be out, you know, be strong enough to to thwart their their plans, which is to stop her coming to full power to basically almost destroy the earth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, maybe we can have multiple endings. Maybe with those vignettes during that eighteen year gap, it's actually you know you can guide her in different directions towards like you know vengeance versus compassion or something and. And all that does is alter the very, you know, the, the actual final ending of once she reaches her full power, what happens? Yeah, yeah, I really, I really quite like that. Is it? The, yeah, that's cool. The story is really quite cool. I can just picture it almost. I'm definitely thinking it's it's kind of like one of the old Sierra advance, adventures. I think so. Yeah, that's kind of where my mind was going. A bit more, like sort of semi-realistic, proportional. Yeah, humans. Yeah, definitely. You know, like original Gabriel Knight kind of style yes, or something. Yes, mm. around there. Maybe higher. Maybe you can maybe do higher res than that. Yes, now, but uh, but generally that sort of art style. Yeah, um, hand painted backgrounds, cool. all that sort of stuff. Just getting that really yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Two hundred fifty six colors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Three, two, one, three, two, one. Click for our next adventure game. Of the episode, safe protein, safe protein. Okay, I kind of like the idea of an adventure game set in a gym. Okay, yep. And maybe there's like, maybe you place play like the manager of the gym who's tr- who's ju- who's come up with a protein shake that is like f- flawless and and. Like the where I'm thinking safe comes in is that like part of the uh, one of the puzzles is having to steal it from the safe that this manager yep. keeps it in. So I th- I think this is actually like a protein shake that has all the benefits of like steroids. Okay, but none with, of the drawbacks. None of the none of the drawbacks. So in other words, people that are that are drinking this protein shake, they get like big muscles and all this sort of stuff, but they also have normal sized testicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Uh yeah, so it's basically it's a miracle shake. Miracle protein shake that, that gets you ripped and swole and and fucking then you can even lift bro or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but the the one thing it doesn't do is it doesn't turn you into like that sort of steroid rager sort of person. So it's it's not it doesn't have yeah. have the any of the roid rage that you that you expect. 
Yeah, I think we can basically kind of assume that uh, it's the perfect, the perfect protein shake. Uh, all of the benefits, none of the side effects of of steroids. Is your character like from another, um, from another rival gym? Ooh. It's like Jim versus Jim, and his name's Jim. <laughs> Jim's Jim. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so, so I'm just picturing that you. It's sort of like a little bit of corporate espionage, but you know, you you've got to try and incorporate yourself into the gym and then yeah well i think i think in the kind of in in the style of the old sierra games and a lot of adventure games mm-hmm. where you're often playing kind of a bit of a bumbler instead of being like the owner of the other gym i think you're just someone caught in the middle yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You're between these two gyms because I would I would expect that Jim would know his his rival, all his yes. rivals, whereas he wouldn't know the lowly sort of accountant who's just come into the into the team. Well, I think even I think even you are just like you're a weakling, <laughs> and again we can play on the tropes of you know the the, the skinny armed spaghetti armed kind of. Teenager, or not, maybe not a teenager, like early twenties, uh, nerdy type comes into the gym. Mm-hmm. Jim, well, wait, which one's Jim? Uh, Jim is the guy who's come up with the um, with the okay. protein shake. Yeah. So he comes into the other gym. <laughs> who who owns this gym? James. Um, by James. James's gym. <laughs> Jamie. James okay. Jim. So Jimmy Jim, 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 who owns the gym? The gym. I I have a feeling I'd like his his name to actually be almost like one of these millennials whose whose name is Jim but it's spelt G Y M. So it's Jim's Jim. <laughs> so it's literally Jim's Jim. <laughs> yep, sure. They, his parents uh his parents thought that uh they'd be clever and Oh yeah. yeah and and I, I kind spelling. of I kinda of like the idea of a of a recurring joke that um like one of the other guys keeps on calling him Jime. Jime. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. And then, well, let's make the owner of of the other gym a woman then, mm-hmm. and maybe they're. Are we going to go with the alliteration again? Uh, Gina. J. J. Gina's gym. Yep. Okay, but it's with a J. <laughs> 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 and because she, because she likes. <laughs> and so hers is spelt like J I N A apostrophe S J Y M. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because she she really yeah, wanted okay. the alliteration. <laughs> she likes the J's, and then the other one is literally G Y M apostrophe S G Y M. All right, and so you play. Oh god. You play this nerdy kid or nerdy like person, early twenties, I think. Mm-hmm. Kind of a bumbler. You come into Gina's gym and you want to get ripped. That's your goal. Yep. Now I think we need to put an obstacle in front of uh, should we make the player uh should we make the player character a man or a woman, do you think? Uh selectable by the by the player. All right, just to make things tricky. Yep. That's fine. Well, let's come up with a unisex name. Uh, Peter. That we can So it can use. be either okay, so P-E-T-A or P-E-T-E-R. Sure, Peter. And the girls, the girls one is a P-E-T-E-R. <laughs> <laughs> to really fuck things around. No, it's, it, it no, was no. just a joke. Just jokes. Yeah. <laughs> So Peter comes into Gina's gym, and I think we need to throw an obstacle in front of them to. For, there's a reason that Gina needs them to do this, right? It's it's sort of if you go and do this and and do this corporate corporate espionage, uh, you know, you'll get free membership to the gym for forever or something like that. Yeah. So maybe there's sort of a little a little scene that starts off, and Peter is just useless and weak and. Gina's trying to help them, and it's just like, okay, you're going to need a lot of work. Like, I don't think you can afford it. <laughs> and, and then um, 
Peter goes out outside and accidentally backs into Gina's car and does some damage okay. and, and therefore yep. is now indebted to, to Gina. Sure, sure. All right. And Okay, and then so, yeah, I like that. And so there's a, you know, you sort of move to a scene where there are negotiations in place of like, all right, you you can't afford this. You fucked up my car. You're totally weak. You can't you can't even afford my gym. But I've heard rumors that Gaim over at Gaim's gym <laughs> <laughs> has come up with this <laughs> ultimate protein shake. Uh, and if you get it for me, if you get the prototype shake for me, I'll not only will I forgive the debt and give you free membership to the gym for the next 30 years, but you can have a sip of the shake. And uh, obviously Peter agrees. Yeah. Peter basically doesn't want to um doesn't want to want to have have their legs broken. <laughs> As, like I'm imagining oh, Gina, she's Gina has very, like these 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 muscles. She's very intimidating. All this all this <laughs> muscle here who's just literally threatening to to break legs and all this sort of stuff. Like it's actually literally her muscles. Like they talk. That's how <laughs> that's how ripped she is. <laughs> what she actually wants it for is is to feed her muscles the protein shake because they've got mouths. And Yeah, they're getting hungry. <laughs> she's she's actually she's scared of her muscles now. Uh abdominals. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love the idea that she talks to her muscles. <laughs> and and I don't know if if initially, like, they don't talk back and it, it's just she's kind of a bit, you know, really over the top uh, in love with herself. But then you show a scene or maybe even, like, post-credits, you, you end up with a little dialogue between her and her muscles where they're actually, like, talking back to her and having a conversation. <laughs> just as a little Easter egg. It, just, to, just to go really Cronenberg on everyone. Well, oh, totally. So yeah, I, this is this is definitely like a a goofy funny oh, game without a doubt. It's it's everything that Jessica um, wasn't. Well, I <laughs> I think that was I think uh, I mean the name of the protagonist of that one aside. I think that could have that could have read, rode that line of of sort of comedy and drama a bit a bit more closely. But this one's just pure you know pure gags oh, the yeah. whole way. Sight gags, audio gags, slapstick. Um, yeah, tropes. <laughs> so let's um, let's just quickly run down like the rest of of the plot because that's kind of that's you either your intro or, or you know halfway through your act one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the main stuff is obviously going to happen around Jim's gym. Yep. Um. Obviously, we don't have to do all the puzzles, but like, what sorts of things are we thinking? You're going to get wacky characters there that you meet. Yeah, uh, and, and, and you can recruit help from some of the other people at Gina's. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining that Jim is just an all-around good guy. Like, and and you okay. you start getting concerned that maybe you're working for the bad guys, sort of thing. Yeah, you've got a, a, a one of those uh, scenes with the other. You know, are we are we the bad guys? <laughs> the guys in the Nazi uniforms is like, are, are we the bad yeah. guys? <laughs> are we the bad guys? <laughs> Can't remember the name of those two guys, but they're funny. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's a that's a nice little twist. So, do you think Peter comes clean with Jim then, or is that is that maybe a post? Like maybe the end of Act Two is you getting the shake, uh, give it, giving it to Gina, and Gina feeding it to her muscles, or or you know taking it. Um, behind closed doors, and you, she comes out and she's fully ripped, and that's when you realise yeah. that you've given it to the wrong person, sort of thing. But- and she's just like unstoppable now. Yeah, and then you have to go back to Jim for help to stop Gina. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a good little twist there. Yeah, good little final turn. Yeah, so I, I'm just wondering what sort of puzzles you can have. I mean, I like dialogue puzzles. I like almost. There's some. Mini games, sort of things, uh, kind of like how uh, Sierra put in a lot of those sort of mini games in their earlier games. Yeah, the horribly difficult and bad, hard to control ones. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, good quality. <laughs> but we'll make them better. Yeah. yeah. 
and work, work yeah, properly. Yeah, I, I could um, almost you like could a do some Beavis like... and Butthead and Virtual Stupidity. Um, how they uh-huh. had lots of little mini games, and but it was still a fully fledged yep. adventure as well. Like, you know, you can have a boxing yeah, mini sure. game. You can have like a a weightlifting mini game. You can have yeah, just little mini games here and there. Yeah, I like the idea of having mini games that that really just. You know, they don't necessarily, most of the time, they're probably not going to actually alter the course of the game or, or require you to, you know, do a certain, do, do well enough at them to continue. It's yeah. more just, you know, you'll get different dialogue res- um, responses based on how well you go, or you might even get some slight branching, you know, branching plot based on whether you succeed or fail at something yep. um, for the next scene. Um, but yeah, that, that, that it's just sort of a bit of, a bit of fun, a bit to break up the, the types of interactions. Yeah. And, and just, just the idea of, you know, you have to sort of get in, get in contact with, with like, um, a sparring group that uh, come down every, every, or meet up every night for, for basically sparring sessions so that you're, you've got a reason to be there at night to sneak into, um, to break into the, Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think basically you're going to, your steps are kind of going to be scout out Jim's gym. Yep. Talk to him about the protein shake. And, you know, he's probably pretty cagey about it. But then, you know, you go around and you talk to the other regulars at the gym and, and you start to piece together where it's kept, you know, how you might be able to get to it. Yeah. You do find out that, you know, Here's the nighttime routine. He like locks it up in the safe and leaves, and you know turns this alarm on or whatever. And 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 by talking to each of these regulars, you're gonna get different skills or get different items or or get different ways for you to basically put that final heist together. Yeah. Uh, with which to get this shake. Yeah, I'm imagining that you know there's some sort of um some sort of puzzle around opening the safe. Uh, that there's some sort of biometric lock that you need to get access to, like maybe some DNA of of Jim. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to like, well, because that you know Jim Jim is like super super picky about people wiping down their machines. Yep. But so yeah, so one of the puzzles is you have to get him to use the machine and then distract him enough to, that he doesn't wipe it down afterwards. Yeah, so you get and his then, sweat. Then you mm. manage to get his sweat. <laughs> yeah, I like that sort of thing. And I and I can picture that maybe there are some a couple of trainers around the gym as well who and they've each got, you know, particularly wacky ways of training you in a particular skill that you then will eventually use in that final heist as well. Yeah. So whether it's a, a certain type of lift or um, you know, diff- different machine or or you know, using a fucking uh, teaching you to do a uh, like uh, <laughs> one of the tasks is just to learn how to do one crunch, <laughs> like one sit up. I thought you were going to say one of them was to do one chin up, and you know well, you that, have to like well, yeah, do well, that some- sort of chin up because you, you're actually you're infiltrating the place through like the through like the vents, and there's like this one little place that you got to climb up like right. a, a two meter. Yeah, a chin up. A chin up could work too. I was thinking something similar. Yeah, something like that. Like something that. Like for most people, they can do at least one, you know, to ten. But for 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 Peter, it's it's a real struggle just to get that one. But they, you know, this trainer teaches you a certain technique, and then yeah, when you when you're breaking in, you need to you need to do a single, whatever chin up or, or sit up or <laughs> <laughs> one push up. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be exactly. Yeah, and so you put together that heist. And then, yeah, I think we've sort of explained the rest. Like, you you get the protein shake, you get it back to him, you get it back to Gina. She roids out, even though it's the effects. It's just her. It's her personality. Yeah. It's not the effects of the shake. Oh, it's the fact that she also took, you know, anabolic, anabolic steroids as well. And, you know, the two combined do not make a good Right, maybe. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then, so how do, you, how do you, how do you think they defeat her? I think they end up- Is there like an antidote? Like, I don't think they should kill her or anything or harm her. No, no, no. I, th- I think it should be uh, kind of like- I don't know why, but the um, 
the movie Orgasmo's coming into my head. Um, in, in the fact that, okay, like at the end, you know, they went up against, went up against a guy and they kept on hitting with the orgasmatron and then, and then in the end he became, he like became, the he became the, um, the, the evil, evil nemesis that they, they talked about throughout the whole thing. So like, um, you've got that reveal of wasn't fully, um, yeah. wasn't fully defeated. Yeah, and in fact, by the way you defeated them, you've made them more powerful for the ne- their next yep. kind of plan. Yeah, and I, I think that's got something to do with all all the chemicals that have sort of altered her her physiology, and you know now the muscles are actually literally speaking. Yeah, okay. That's I was going to say. That's actually a good way to end it. Then it's now her muscles have literally become sentient. Yeah. Previously, she was just talking to them because she was proud of her body. Yeah, kind of like the gun show you know, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and now they talk back. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, I like that a lot. All right, cool. Three, two, one, click. All right, language relocation. Huh. Okay, this makes me think of a, a sort of an idea we've done before, although I don't think we've done it as a point and click. But having a character dropped into a place where they are, are like literally don't speak the language of of the rest of the people around them, and so have to find other ways to to communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, I just I just can't get get out of my head that um, adventure game that you showed me, which had like the um like the word cannon. Sort of thing where you threw words <laughs> yes. at, at other things. I, I kind of yeah. like that idea, yeah. but obviously we're not going to do that. Well, yeah, somebody's already doing that. Yeah. Um, although we could try to come up with novel ways of, of throwing verbs around. But yeah, having verbs as a physical piece of the world is really cool. Yep. Okay. So language relocation, relocation. Uh, relocation. Is this uh, is this an inside out esque story where you are a child who is whose parents have moved them to a new city, uh, and it's kind of having to navigate your life through that? Now, whether you actually literally do inside out, and there's some level of like things inside their head um, discussing the next moves, or whether it's just you know, it's just a general, you are this teenager and in a new school. And, and I mean, I think language would come into it just from, you know, there's new slang to learn and there's, I mean, or it could be in a different country or something, yeah. but uh, I guess it depends on how much we want to play up that, that language barrier. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the idea of, of you being like the son or daughter of a diplomat who's just been uh, put into, into like, the um, Australian embassy or whatever in in some other yep. country, and the choice to actually go to the school rather than being homeschooled is sort of yeah uh, made well. Or, okay, so we could take this in two ways, and, and I think they give different experiences um, and give us different opportunities. Because yeah, I like that idea. I like the idea of a of a teenager being thrown into a school with a language that they really don't speak. Now, we could do it that you're an Australian family who, an Australian diplomat in another country, or we could do that you are a diplomat from another country coming to Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like, obviously, in both cases, you've got some interesting opportunities for exploring whatever culture it is that you drop that into. But um, I think, like, someone coming from another country to Australia, you could have some really good opportunities to sort of really show empathy towards what that would be like for someone into the f- in coming into the situation that everybody else is familiar with. Yeah. Uh who's, you know, or like the core audience probably who's playing the game is familiar with and that we know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, but not actually being able to understand like you you make all the Australian like you make all the English nonsense that that the player can't understand. Until they start to pick up words. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like that could be really So, the, the rapper sort of lesson is English itself. Like, 
each each time that um, your character goes to like English, you know, to to l- starts picking up extra little words in in English. Yeah, perhaps, or I think they just learn it through dialogue and stuff too, right? Like just through immersion. Yep. Uh, obviously, they they start picking up words, and and by the end of you know by the end of the game, you're you know not fluent, but you're you're pretty well understanding how you know what people are saying. But I still I like the idea of still making you could write the dialogue in a way like it's going to come across as as broken English because that's how like when you someone else who's learning our language. When they speak, you know, often it comes across as very broken, but that's that's the way they hear it as well because they're just picking up on the words they understand and they don't, you know, fully fully get the gr- the, the grammar and the sentence structure and stuff. So, okay, so what it actually sounds like to you is like when the adults speak in uh, the Peanuts cartoons. So it's got that. that yeah, sort but of more Australian. <laughs> but it's like my <laughs> cat. <laughs> uh yeah but i think that's i think that's the case for everyone right and this might be one of those ones where you can't really voice it or it'd be a challenge to voice it because you would have to just make sort of general not quite simlish style speak but more like muttering that you can't understand and then you know as you start to pick up words they become clear in the sentence and i'm not thinking that this is systems based particular like as such i think it's more just Narrative based, like at certain narrative points based. In the story, this is the certain point that you now can pick up this word, this word, and this word. Yeah, and you don't even make that explicit. It's more just like once you get past certain parts in the story, as the writers, we start throwing in more actual words that you that you know. Yeah, uh, and and look, this is the sort of game that the writers would absolutely have to either one have English as their second language, or or strongly consult with with people who have learned English as a second language to really I think you'd really want to make that realistic. Yeah. So I don't reckon we can talk about that any longer, but it's a cool sounding game and Yeah, I think that I think we've got the general idea and I think you could do some really cool stuff with it in an adventure yeah. like that. It's a perfect genre for playing with language, you know. It is. Alright. First one click. Detective Tin. Detective Tin. So it's a tin tin game. Steel. <laughs> a tin tin game. Uh plenty that we can take that. <laughs> yeah. We could do a tin tin game. I kind of I'm kind of surprised that like there hasn't actually been a tin tin licensed adventure game. Yeah, have there been any tin tin games? I don't know. Yes, there was one. For the movie, it looks like mm-hmm. the uh, the secret of the unicorn came out in two thousand and eleven. Okay, and it was a two D platformer on the previous generation hmm. and mobile. But yeah, we could do a more classic. You know, you and I tend towards the. Uh, the golden age of adventure game style Sierra and LucasArts sort of things. Um, All right. I'm trying to, I'm just, sorry, I'm just like trawling the depth of my Tintin knowledge. I read a lot of Tintin and I've, I've retained nearly zero. (laughs) (laughs) I've retained a lot more asterisks than what I have. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably more asterisks. Maybe we just shift it to uh, (laughs) crossover perhaps. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tintin goes back in time to ancient Rome. No, all right. He's uh, a big Tintin, fat guy. <laughs> Captain Blowhard. What was his name? There was the Professor Moonface. Well, I'm, uh, I'm imagining that the, the main crux of the game is you got Tintin and Snowy. Yep. And... I know you can start out that they're shipwrecked or something like that. And they're all, they always are, except for the time they went to the moon. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so pretty much it starts off that, you know, you wake up and Tintin says, oh, not again, Snowy. And they're, they're now constructing like a raft sort of thing to get off. Can this. we play as Snowy? 
Or maybe just there's some sections you play as Snowy. Yeah, I think there's some sections that that Snowy has to go off and and get something because it's in like a in a cave or something like that, like yeah. a, a, with a small entrance. Maybe Snowy becomes one of your inventory items, a la Max. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Like yeah. that. Um, yeah, but follows along kind of like a Pikachu Pokemon. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> Snowy, I choose you. (laughs) (laughs) And later on, you pick up other pets like Captain Haddock, which I've now looked up the name of. (laughs) Just swears at swears at them. Drinks. Oh God, Um, is it going to be an adult version of it? That you know, there's. um, It's when Tintin's actually like a young adult. Like well, how old 18, is he supposed 19? to be? I mean, I feel like that's how old he was kind of supposed to be already. Was he? Yeah, he was like a reporter. I think he was an adult. He just looked like he was just uh, a baby face. Tintin website states his age between sixteen and eighteen. So, okay, I'm uh, I'm picturing uh, yeah. that Tintin is around twenty eight now in this. All right, so he's a bit more jaded. He's a bit older. He still have the same haircut. Um, it's just a flopped down a bit more. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think maybe it's what's, what's actually happened is it's, it's kind of like Castaway in that um, you know, he looked fine when he when he was first shipwrecked, but by the time that he leaves, he's got a big bushy beard, and it's <laughs> ten years later. <laughs> Wait, are you saying how long was he shipwrecked here for? I just ten said years? ten years. <laughs> oh Jesus! I didn't. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, that's interesting. So he's gone through all these adventures between the ages of 16 and 18, and then he gets shipwrecked and not rescued for a decade. Yep. Snowy's dead. Um, <laughs> you've now got Snowy 2. Snowy 2. How did, <laughs> how did you get Snowy 2? So Snowy 1 was a female and was pregnant. Okay. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> We're breaking canon, I think, but that's all right. Okay. So, do you come in? So, I like the idea then that the game starts with young Tintin. Yep. Who has just been shipwrecked. And the player initially just thinks, oh, this is going to be a fun Tintin adventure. (laughs) And you maybe have to do some puzzles. Maybe you like, you give them some hope. There's, there's an, there's an obvious way. That you're going to be able to, like, patch up this boat and get off this island or, like, call for help or something. Yeah. And so you do some puzzles and it looks like it's all going to work and then something goes horribly wrong. Like, maybe you're trying to set off a flare. Yep. But instead it just, like, burns the whole boat. And- Or or you're trying to fix the radio and an electrical fire starts up and, and burns the boat. Yeah. Yeah, just something- And then it just, like, cuts to black and fades up with 10 years later. <laughs> and there's this fucking older guy with a ginger beard. Yep. Long, bushy hair. There's a gravestone in the background <laughs> from Snowy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> If you if you want, we can go. That yeah, we can like break that cannon and say she was pregnant when they got on the boat, and or maybe she bred with like the local wolves or something, <laughs> with like a local wolf. <laughs> yeah, with a local wolf on the island. Oh god! And so they've got like a half. What what, what did I see? It was wire terrier, yeah. um, wire fox terrier. Half wolf. <laughs> so I, I think when it comes back up with ten years later, that's when a plane goes by overhead and sees like this massive message that um, Tintin's put down on the on the ground. Yeah, and- it's like a it's a paragraph. <laughs> he spent the last ten years to whom it may concern. <laughs> oh, P.S. Help. <laughs> P.S. Get me the. Fuck off this island. The dog died. <laughs> yeah, so I, I like that most of this, like, so the that's the end of the first act is he gets rescued. 
like you sort of got the the prologue, the ten years later, the first act. You 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 call you call in the plane, and then he gets rescued, and then the the next part of the game is him reacclimating to 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 life, and seeing Captain Haddock as this you know he's like sixty five now or something. Yep. Um. Instead of instead of the um just the big bushy black beard that he had, he's now got a big white bushy beard and a bald spot. Or did he already have a bald? Spot? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm yeah. just looking at a, at a picture at the moment. I see like. All the all the adults seem to have some sort of facial hair, um, usually a mustache. <laughs> One of the Thompson twins has died. <laughs> oh, well, are they even twins, or they're just friends? Because they've got different last names. They're Thompson and Thompson with a P. Um, yeah, I I, I kind of like the idea that uh, Thompson doesn't want to talk about it. Or are they married? <laughs> But you don't know which Thompson twin it is because they keep on interchanging um, the the P and non P. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember any of these other main characters except for Professor Calculus. Yeah, they all thought you were dead. Obviously, I, I kind of like the idea that you know Tintin starts realizing that these these people that he once knew aren't quite right. Like oh, and. So what what it could actually come down to is that this whole um, this whole shipwreck thing was actually you know a ruse sort of thing. It it was actually like he's in some sort of virtual reality. <laughs> just, just 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 to just to break out of the um the the whole uh, this can still be canon, but um, right. It's, it's as if so, Tintin was in nowadays instead of nineteen twenty nine. So. Do we? So is this a reveal at the end that is he even a real person, or is it literally like someone has created an AI that thinks it's Tintin from the old Tintin comics? Like it's set in our our world where Tintin is fictional. Yeah, but they've created <laughs> they've created a sentient AI that thinks it's Tintin, and that's why some some of these things are like a bit off. Yeah, because you know, machine learning is never quite right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just, I just reckon that'd be a, a pretty cool way of like breaking. Yeah, break, yeah, yeah. Breaking the typical tropes of of these adventures. for sure. Hey, is I mean, Tintin's pretty old. Is it out of fucking? Uh, is it in the public domain? Can do whatever the fuck we want. Seventy years after uh, Herge yeah. is dead, twenty fifty three for another. Yeah, not for another twenty five years. And um, thirty five years. So yeah, they're, they're basically saying that they're going to do anything they can to prevent it becoming public domain in after twenty fifty three. Yeah, fuck off. It, if you, you've had it for that long, let it become public domain for Christ's mm-hmm. sake. Anyway, yes, uh, we'll just we'll just risk getting sued if we ever decide to make this, which of course we won't, because this is Bitstorm. Yes, not. We've never made a game yet. (laughs) (laughs) We procrastinate a lot. (laughs) Okay, I reckon we've got time. I'd love to write some of these. All right, let's do one more quickie. A quickie adventure dickie. Money. Sexuality. Ooh. Okay. It could be touchy ground and like some of these games where we touch on more serious subjects we shouldn't be the ones to write it <laughs> but a but a game that actually it takes place in in like a brothel could be quite interesting and and examines the the situation of of sex workers and the things that they come up against mm-hmm. what time period yeah I don't know. Like, don't is know. this a- You could um, kind of go- Is this a Dolly Parton in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? Or is this a, you know, a Game of Thrones style brothel? Oh is this a, you know, a red light district in the in the, in the the 1980s in around, you know, all the 1970s yeah. with Roxanne? Um- <laughs> you know much more about 
about uh, sex work in uh, in pop culture than I do, apparently. <laughs> he's just I couldn't have pulled. He's just the nineteen eighties, and you got Charlotte the Harlot. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when was I mean, and or or we could go modern day and just you know do a more. It doesn't have to be serious necessarily as such. Like you can still obviously bring some humor into it, but just. Or even exploring, you know, the internet and sex work and how that plays into it. Like maybe you're a cam girl kind of thing and you're balancing that life with your real life and not being discovered and how, or, or like, or, you know, people in your life do find out about it and how they react and how you deal with that and yeah, how it affects I'm your life. I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable about this whole thing, so let's just click again quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will say that, like, I mean, I prefaced it. <laughs> I prefaced it with, we shouldn't write it, but I think that there's a game there for somebody to write. Yes. All right. All right. One last one. Three, two, one, click. Wasting. Appetizer. For some reason, I've got this idea in my head of, of like, an adventure game of this this guy who's- who's literally, like, stuck in a chair. Okay, so that's interesting because I was I was thinking an adventure game that is purely set at a dinner table. Okay. So, I don't know if it's necessarily stuck in the, like, physically stuck in a chair, but I, I kind of like the idea of, of an adventure game that your, your entire view is just kind of panning left and right around this dinner table with, like, I don't know, eight or ten people at it. Mm-hmm. And you can you can choose to converse with the different people. You know, they might be talking to each other and you can choose to try to like to try to eavesdrop or listen, but you might get interrupted by someone who tries to talk to you. And you could even still have some some basic inventory puzzles and stuff. Um, but it's all things around the table, right? Like Okay. Particular types of food or your cutlery or or different things that you can combine if if you, if there's if there are certain puzzles that call for that. Yeah, I'm certainly seeing this as VR. Okay, yeah, you could do it as VR for because, sure. Because I, I like the idea of having that um that whole you yeah, know the, the free, the, free the, view, the view and the scale of, of you sitting yep. at the table. Yep. So my idea is actually that your character is actually maybe a mute. So okay, um, okay, can't speak, and and you know you can sort of say that very early on. That is it. Some some sort of accident, perhaps. Yeah, that's because sort of- I'm just thinking the people who can't speak from birth often, like, well, I mean, I guess it could be a genetic thing that like yeah. they can't speak from birth, but they're still able to. That's the only thing that's. They don't have any other um, disabilities. Yeah, I guess. The reason why you can't leave the table is, I, I think you can you can pretty much put it in that it's a. Um, I, I'm almost thinking that it's. Almost that you're playing a kid at the table and you get told that you're not allowed to leave the table. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, we don't necessarily have to have a story reason why you don't leave the table. Like, it could just be this is where it's set and there's no reason to. But, yeah, um, yeah, that, that also could be fun to play with where if you try to interact with something away from the table, like one of the adults kind of yells at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the puzzles I'm, I'm picturing is that and this is leading more to a um more to a kid, but they don't like their um their vegetables, and so that they can okay. pick it up and feed it to the dog under the table, sort of thing. <laughs> All right, so may do we maybe make this? Because uh, then I feel like there are two ways we could go with this now. We could go with the kid thing, but then if they're at the adult table, I feel like that limits the sort of conversation options because you're not going to have you know full on dialogues. That are interesting with the other adults around the table, particularly, mm-hmm. but they could be at the kids' table. And if they're like twelve or thirteen, like on the cusp of kind of puberty, then I feel like there are a lot of a lot of conversations you could have with, you know, maybe you've got a cousin or a friend that's around your sort of age. You've got some of the younger kids. You've got the occasional interactions with the adults at the, at the bigger table up there. And again, you could kind of set that scale, right? Although I guess at 13, you're not mu- that much 
smaller than the other uh, adults, but still the scale, it's, it's a lower table, you know? And so I like that idea of kind of, yeah, having the adults call over to you to stop fucking around. Yep. As you, like, flick peas or something. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What if? And just tell me whether you whether you like this or not. Okay. Your character is actually the heir to the throne. Or, okay. or is actually a king sort of sort of thing. And So you're shifting up the time period here. Yeah, I'm I'm picturing I'm picturing that or is this your, still your modern, character is, is still like thirteen fourteen and, and there's yeah. someone in place who is actually like the guardian um and you know is is running the, the kingdom while you're while you're growing up sort of thing. Yeah. And so everyone who who comes to this dinner, you know, they're they're sort of being um reverent to you or whatever, you know, inter- interested in what in what you have to have to say, but also they're not necessarily, you know, they don't treat you with with as much respect as what as what a what a yeah. um of age king would would have. So I think there's some interesting stuff there. I think I like the idea of of mixing it up so it's not just sort of your tr- traditional suburban dinner party. What if instead of going like royal mm-hmm. monarchy, what if you like? The kid of a famous superhero. <laughs> and so there are some of the tropes of the suburban dinner party, but then you get to mix it up with like, this is a dinner party of adult superheroes, and then all their kids might just be sort of half coming into their powers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you get to do a bit of world building around like, oh, my dad. You know, my dad killed Godzilla before he destroyed the Empire State Building or something. Like, you know, <laughs> you could kind of have these tall tales, but except they're, they're probably actually true because these are all superheroes. <laughs> my dad could beat up your dad. Oh, yeah, but my dad's merged with the Speed Force and, you know, he could go faster. He'd be able to run away. Like, it's the sort of, it's the sort of conversations kids have about superheroes, except it's about their actual parents. <laughs> well, my dad could beat you even with a kryptonite ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of love that idea of these kids, like, arguing on that sort of thing. And then, you know, maybe you're- and, and this could just be for the, the ease of use in VR, maybe the power that you're coming into is like telekinesis, so you can yep. kind of force pull things from across the room and, and use that as part of your puzzle solving and, and different things. Yeah, yeah, I I, I do like that. <laughs> You've got kids around the table, like fucking breathing fire and uh, stretching and disappearing, <laughs> but only in part, right? Because they they haven't quite figured it out yet. I, I, I like I like this one this one kid. Anytime they they sort of reach for something, you know, something on, on the table gets set on fire because they yeah, don't have quite their pyrokinesis, yeah, quite working properly yet. Every time they go to eat, just like. It gets burnt to a crisp. Yeah, it melts in front of them before it reaches their mouth or something. They're all disappointed. <laughs> they accidentally spit acid on it. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just picturing like this this kid who's got all these lizard-like features and it's like, you know, just hit puberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you tell? He tried to, he just tried to put makeup over the top of his scales. Oh god. All right, I love that a lot. Yeah, and and the thing is, you don't even have to mention their parents. It's it's almost like this is a birthday party that you that you're at. Oh, you could. I I do kind of like the, I do kind of like the the dynamic of having the parents there, sort of in the background, and again, occasionally like yelling at them. You know, fucking Mister Fantastic like stretches over from the from the <laughs> uh, from the adults' table to like slap something out of his kid's hand that he's not meant to be playing with. <laughs> yeah, that, that could actually be kind of cool. Yeah, like the Invisible Man all of a sudden just knocks the knocks like <laughs> um, lollies or something out of out of his kids his kids yeah um, hands so that yeah. he doesn't gorge yeah, himself exactly. on the lollies and and stuff yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could do some really fun stuff with that. And like and then you can add all these like real goofy parent things. 
into the into the adults as well. Like one of them is sort of a bit of a prankster. One of them is a bit of a disciplinarian. One of them, you know, telling dad jokes the whole time. Yeah, yeah. What what I do like though is that if if we wrote it well enough, and and sort of you could tell that these these are the characters that we're trying to hit. But they're not necessarily named, you know, Wonder Woman. Oh, of course, or of course. You do little lower yeah, sort of thing. But you you sort of know that okay, this person is riffing off the Flash, this person is riffing, riffing off Iron Man, this person Yeah, is- totally. And you you have well, that- and, and then you could also have their like mundane spouses. Like some of them that's superheroes that have married each other, but some of them, you know, they they've fallen in love with with mortals or with non non supers and and there's that dynamic as well. Yeah, which could be really fun too. Yeah, it could be. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I want to play play that game. Yeah, don't don't quite know what you're going to do as an end in sort of game, but it's. Uh, I think it'd just be one of those kind of you're just telling a little bit of a story. Yeah, kind of like an experience that you yeah you sort of no matter what you do, it's going to happen. But um, it probably ends with like the roof being torn off the house and all the adults like going off to fight some evil. <laughs> Probably. The kids are just like, all right, we get to watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I think we'll end it there. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us this week on BitStorm. If you want to find us online, the best place to go is podchaser.com. That's P-O-D-C-H-A-S-E-R.com slash BitStorm, all on word. Uh, you'll find all of our socials and other things up there, creative profiles. Check it out. Uh, we're also part of the 8-Bit Collective. This is a group of podcasts uh, who all talk about gaming and, and other things, and we uh, kind of help each other out and have fun and do cool shit. Check that out at 8bit.net or our site at 8bit.net slash bedstore. I recommend that you check out the 8-Bit Patreon. Yes. Go to patreon.com slash weare8bit. If you get in on, like, the lowest tier, you'll actually be able to hear me, myself, and I on on the next or the, the latest episode of the 8-Bit Cast. Of course, you could wait for two two more weeks, but no. Get, get on to the Patreon now. I'm on that episode. I talk about all the things that I suck at. So, that's kind of a, an it's interesting- It's a long episode. <laughs> yeah, it, go, it goes for about an no, hour and a half, but it's not just me. It's also um, Brendan and Miss Ellie from 8-Bit, and we had a great conversation this past weekend. Nice. Also, check out the AJPN, the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Search for the Facebook group, the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network, or look for at AGP Network on Twitter. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuradust for the use of the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. Yeah, so thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I am Ben Slinger. I am Trevor Scott. And my dad can beat up your dad.